everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. You guys can have a seat, or better yet, if you didn't bring a Bible, run back and grab one before you do take a seat. If you have them, you can open up to Mark chapter 6, where we will be in just a few minutes. So glad you guys came. Welcome to the Vineyard. Um, Especially if it's your first time, we'd love to get to know you better. There's a way to kind of help facilitate that if you fill out a Connect card that's back on the info desk. But uh, before we before we dive into Mark chapter six, I want to just remind you that uh, I think it was almost a month ago now, several of our church leaders got together and listened for God's voice. We sought what God wanted to do. Uh, in our midst to speak to us, and there were two main themes that came out. One was to live with greater faith, and secondly, repentance. And so to pray bigger prayers, but also to uh, notice where our hearts and our lives and our thoughts are not aligned with uh, the heart and mind and life of Jesus, and to turn to uh, realign our life and our heart. That's what it means to repent. And I think the passage that we'll look at in Mark 6 will weave those two themes together really well. But I also want to revisit last week. I'm not sure if I did a great job of being clear about what I felt God wanted us all to hear. Uh, But it came as great comfort and relief that someone in our church felt like God was wanting to say the same thing. So do you remember at all what I talked about last week? Anyway, so the basic thing, the basic message was if we are followers of Jesus, then we have to surrender our paradigm to him. Something about the way we view the world, process how things work, will have to fundamentally shift. That doesn't mean that we're wrong about everything, but it means that somewhere down at the base of our core beliefs, we have to admit that we were wrong about something. And so surrendering our, our worldview, our paradigm, the, the values, the, the beliefs, the way we regard other people and whether or not they're deserving in particular of God's grace and favor and love has to shift. So uh, many of you know Donna Delbashan. She was in the pre-service prayer. Uh, people get together and listen for God's voice uh, before the service. And she, she wrote this to me uh, in the middle of this week. She said, last Sunday during pre-service prayer, the words that came to my mind were, can you guess? Paradigm shift. Pretty cool. And freedom. So she goes on to say that as she's been reflecting on two book series that she's read, namely The Lord of the Rings, which I approve of, good, uh, and also Wheel of Time, which I haven't read personally, but I've heard good things about. She's noticing that in both series, there are kings and queens, and that these kings and queens self-sacrifice and show true and deep concern for the welfare of their people. Both book series, she says, revealed that when a king and queen holds enormous love in their hearts for their subjects, their desire to care for them 
has no bounds. So she says, I believe that God was showing me that seeking the kingdom of God meant living in the spiritual space of kings and queens of the most high God, truly concerned about the welfare of the people around us and desiring the best for them, despite what our eyes and hear, uh, what our eyes see and our ears might be hearing. When we have true heart concern and desire right for them, we've taken on a kingdom of God mindset. And I'm not going to read the whole letter, but I, I just want to, I want to, uh, appreciate your your words, Donna. And, and she goes so far to say that when I revisited this amazing time with God during my quiet time after church, I realized that I had to repent of a slightly off kingdom of God mindset, one that isn't necessarily bad, but one that didn't include the reality stated above. My original understanding of the kingdom of God was gained after joining the vineyard. I loved learning that the kingdom of God centered on God's rule and reign, a point in time when there's a, a rift in the heavens that brings heaven down to earth. But what I am now realizing is that I have connected rule and reign directly to the gifts of the Spirit, which is true. So like when we see miracles, when we see uh, prophecies, when we experience the power of God's presence, like that is an example of the kingdom of God. But she, she takes it further. I believe that God wants the kingdom of God mentality to rule and reign in our hearts. So a king's sincere care for the welfare of everyone in the kingdom, our families, cities, nation, and world, and the desire for God's rightness for them. That is, she should have been preaching last week. Huh? I mean, so good. Thank you. And uh, like, I, want, I want you to understand, like, repenting doesn't, there's not shame in it. I'm actually, I'm celebrating it. Uh, repenting doesn't mean I feel guilty or I should be embarrassed. Uh, there's a recognition that I was wrong. There's a, there's a statement of, I'm sorry, and I'm going to change. Like, that's repentance. And so as we seek greater faith and pray bigger prayers, but also repent, it's not going to be a time where we all have to, you know, beat ourselves up and hang our heads low. It's a time of, of like, receiving grace and showing grace to others. So now, Mark chapter 6. You'll remember that we are in the middle of uh, a series called The Chosen, where I'm encouraging everybody to watch an episode every week. I think this week was episode four, right? Uh, hopefully, I'm, I have a video prepped. But anyway, this, is, this, this passage precedes what we will see on the screen here in a minute. But I would, just, I would invite everyone to stand as I read, because we, we want to honor God and his word as we listen, not just for information, but for transformation, so that, I mean, we trust that God's words have power. And so it actually begins in the middle of verse 6, if you have the NLT open, where it says Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Mark 6. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. 
But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come, that you, Jesus, would be our teacher, that you would stir in us, that you would awaken uh, life in us, your life, that we would be sensitive to your word and to your spirit. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Let's watch the short video.
Here at the Vineyard, we believe we still do this stuff. Jesus is still in the business of healing sickness, casting out demons. Uh, In the words of Jesus to the twelve, he called his twelve disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. And they do it. They cast out many demons and heal many people, anointing them with olive oil. Many of you know that John Wimber uh, was the first national director in the Vineyard Movement, was instrumental in its founding. Uh, he, had a, he had a past, though. He had a history of, you know, the rock and roll life. And when he becomes a Christian, he starts reading the Bible and he goes to church and he goes to the pastor and he says, when do we get to do the stuff? And the pastor says, what do you mean? It's like the stuff in the Bible. Uh, you know, multiplying loaves and healing the sick and casting out demons. He's like, the pastor says, oh, we don't do that stuff here. We, do, you know, we pray and we worship. Uh, and John Wimber says, well, when I was on the devil's team, I got to do the devil stuff. I got to do drugs and sex and all, you know, all the stuff. Like, I'm on Jesus' team now. And so over the course of his life, in obedience, not because he prayed for people and they immediately got well, although eventually after praying, and praying, and failing, and failing, and not seeing miracles or healings, uh, eventually he did. And eventually he saw hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people be healed, uh, just like the disciples in the New Testament. And we live in a day where, I mean, just as the disciples prayed, not everybody they prayed for was healed either, or was healed immediately. We don't see Every, every prayer answered. But we believe that the kingdom of God is coming and that part of that kingdom is to show compassion and love to people. Part of that kingdom message is that there's forgiveness of sins and part of that kingdom message is that Jesus is king and has power over every sickness and disease and every evil spirit. And sadly, Many, many churches, specifically Protestant churches, don't believe that this can still happen. And they've come up with theological grounds for this. Uh, Not biblical grounds, but theological grounds. Many, we'll get into more depth uh, in second session starting next week, because this is, I think this is part of the kingdom mandate. Not that we have power to heal the sick, but that God does. And in obedience, we pray. <laughs> but uh, the book that we're going to read together for second session, and I know I'm, I, don't, I don't want you to hear, like, if I don't read the book, I can't come to second session and discuss it. Like, we're going to be tracking with the material from Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit by Jack Deere. Uh, he has, he's, not, he, he's a friend of the vineyard, used to work for John Wimber in California, but he actually is an old Dallas, I think it's Dallas Theological Seminary professor who was converted to Christianity, went to a place that said, you know, miracles don't happen, but he began to challenge that on scriptural grounds and began to look at the history of why many Protestants have created a a wall between their beliefs and actions and what the Bible teaches and prescribes and describes in terms of doing the stuff. And so I, I highly recommend the book. It's one of the best books I've read in the last few years. Uh, the audiobook is especially good. 
uh, the, the guy who wrote it, Jack Deere, is just like this warm, friendly guy, and he's reading the book almost like he's your pastor. And so uh, I know some of you in the room have read it because I recommended it to leaders a couple months ago. Uh, you can ask your life group leaders about it. Uh, Bob read it. <laughs> ask Bob about it. Uh, there, there are some people who have been reading it. I would, I would, I ex, I'm excited to go on this journey, especially as we continue to look at the life of Jesus. Between Easter and Pentecost, we'll be doing Sunday morning teachings on the empowerment that comes to us by the Holy Spirit. So we do the stuff. That's the first thing I want you to know. And remember, the second thing, though, I want to reflect on from this passage is even when it works, even when you pray a prayer and see a miracle, uh, that doesn't mean that people will respond to the message of Jesus. In fact, right in this passage, as the disciples go out, Jesus functionally says, I am giving you power, but don't expect everyone to respond positively to it. You will be rejected. So expect resistance and expect rejection. Why would we think any different? Jesus healed the sick, performed miracles. He was resisted and he was rejected. So as Christians, we have, as followers of Jesus, we are signing up to fail. <laughs> we are signing up to pray prayers that are not answered. Uh, but that, that's not actually unusual. Everybody in the world is going to fail. The question is, how are they going to fail? And will they have a fallback position? We have a fallback position. Our fallback position is into the grace and love of God himself. And that is enough. To be rejected by people, but accepted by God is enough. And it doesn't matter how many times you've screwed up. It doesn't matter how many times you haven't prayed or have prayed. Like, the grace of God is there for you. And so this is not a, you know, you need to do more <laughs> type of guilt trip. This is an invitation to know that God accepts you even when people reject you. And God gives you power that is greater than sickness, greater than any evil, greater than any addiction. I think it's also interesting in this kind of middle, the message there in the middle, right, where Jesus says, don't take a staff. People are going to throw you out of town, basically. Just, you know, shake the dust off your feet and go. That, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? So I think, again, on multiple levels, expect rejection, expect resistance. Uh, I'm giving you power, but come into these towns with humility. You are going to be dependent on people for your food and for your lodging. So consider that. Also consider like shaking the dust off your feet is, is symbolic. It's like, I'm leaving here. You have rejected me. Uh, I'm moving on. But it's actually pretty soft. 
So there's a point at which the disciples actually suggest to Jesus that he should rain fire down on a city because of their sin. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand me. <laughs> so like the, the command that Jesus gives is not judge the people, you know, don't call down fire from heaven. Just they've, they've rejected you. It's okay. Move on. So there, there's, there's actually kind of a, a lot going on here in this part where Jesus says, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave. Don't take money with you. If people refuse to welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off of your feet and go. Now, I want to I wanna talk a little bit about repentance. And I've been, I, I think we talk about it a fair amount in this church. Uh, and it's because it comes along with following Jesus. It's not popular. It's actually one of the things that you will find resistance uh, from people because on the whole, people want to do what they want to do and justify their actions and beliefs and words. And they don't want to, like people don't want to change. People don't want to admit that they're wrong. It's, I mean, maybe it's just a guy thing that, you know, I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. Is it a guy thing? Well, it's true for guys, maybe also true for women. Uh, but, but I think that my, the things I do are justified. I want to define right and wrong for myself, like if we're really honest. And that's, that's the norm. And to call people to repentance, to call ourselves to repentance, that's the hard work. That's where I think we'll find a lot of resistance in ourselves internally, but also from people externally. So repentance uh, has both Greek and Hebrew meanings that are slightly different, but very related. I, I often talk about that second meaning that I'll put up on the screen, uh, the turning, the new direction. Uh, the Greek includes what we talked about earlier. It's a change of mind, but it's not just a, I had a thought or a belief. Now I have a new thought or belief. It's, like, it's at the core. It's the paradigm shift. It's the, I have to reconsider everything in the world because Jesus lands at the very heart of my being. I can no longer simply accept the words that I hear from Facebook or from my cable news station of choice or from uh, Netflix or from Disney. Like I, my, my paradigm has been shaped through stories, shaped through culture shaped through family, and I'm actually saying I'm going to, in following Jesus, change my entire paradigm for living. It includes a kingdom dynamic. It includes belief in the spiritual realm and world, which, by the way, most people I've ever talked to have had some sort of supernatural experience. People who have not often are regular churchgoers, it seems. If I ask, have you ever experienced anything supernatural? Like everybody outside of church that I've ever talked to have been like, yeah, I think I saw a ghost one time. I was like, okay, interesting, maybe. But as people who believe in a living God who is present to us, who brings a kingdom of hope and peace and healing and deliverance and freedom, that's a, that's a paradigm shift. The fact that God loves us first is a paradigm shift for some of us. For others of us, it's, a fa it's like the idea that God 
has a design for how to live and there will be a day of judgment. That might be the paradigm shift. Held in tension with God as a God of love and grace and there's forgiveness. <laughs> like those things can both be true. That's hard. It's very easy to fall into one side or the other. It's easy to either be a legalist and a fire and brimstone person or a grace, you know, whatever, you do you. It's easy to fall into either one of those extremes. It's very hard to say, I believe in a God of grace and truth. I believe in right and wrong, and I believe in forgiveness and restoration and second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Repentance, and maybe a little uh, slightly more modern language and kind of the, like how we talk, uh, it's, it's the words, I was wrong and I'm going to be different. So that's simply what it is. Again, repentance is not, I feel really bad, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed, my head is hanging low. Repentance is, I was wrong. I'm going to be different. Now, I'm not going to be different perfectly. I'm going to make a commitment to be different. I'm not going to lose my temper. Invariably, I will lose my temper. I will do what? Repent again. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm going to be different. So let me ask you a question. I want to ask the room a question. But first of all, I want to make sure all the kids are paying attention. You guys should all know this trick. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Okay, so if you're... Sitting beside someone who did not clap your hands, turn and look at them and say, okay, next time clap your hands. Maybe it's your kid. Ready? <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Okay, now it's time to actually start digging into each other's rib. No, okay. Paying attention. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you made a mistake this past week. If you screwed up, if you said something that was unkind, you were maybe just a jerk, even a little bit, tiny little bit of a jerk. Okay, you shouldn't have to think that hard about it. Your hand should be in the air, okay? Uh, now, it's good if you can get specific in your mind, but I mean, just, yeah, two hands up. Some people have two hands up. We, we said something, we did something, and it, and it hurt somebody else or it affected somebody else, right? Now, look around the room. How do, how do you feel? Okay, you're not alone. Okay, I want you to think a little bit harder about this next one. How many of you have heard the words from somebody else? Any variation of this? Next slide, please. I was wrong. It was my fault. I am sorry. How many of you heard those words, not spoken those words? Yeah. This is more than I expected. In the last past week, have you heard those words? from somebody this past week. So everybody in the room has screwed up this past week. How many of you have heard the words with your ears this past week? I am sorry, I've screwed up. It was my fault. Okay, less than half, way less than half. I want you to think about the gap between I have screwed up and the people sitting beside you who have not heard the words. I am sorry, I've screwed up. I hope 
that you remember this moment. (laughs) I hope that part of your repentance right now is that I'm going to be better at repenting. Because odds are, if people beside you haven't heard the words, it's because you haven't spoken them. So our default position is it's other people's fault. I'm the victim. I am justified. That might all be true. And it's also true that I screwed up. Now let me ask you this. When you hear the words from somebody else, I'm sorry, it's my fault, I screwed up. How do you feel toward the person who's saying them? Uh, Actually, when somebody shouted out, what does it feel like to hear the words, I'm sorry? You feel compassion for the person speaking them. Anybody else? Thankfulness, gratitude, to hear the words, I am sorry, it was my fault. It's, they're hard words to say. And there's a release of gratitude and compassion when they're spoken. Sorry, what was that? Yes, there is a connection. So when you make a mistake, when you say something you don't mean, when you say something careless, when you put somebody down, when you call somebody a name, when you're not thoughtful, when you don't pay attention, So if you're on your phone and your friend or daughter or son or spouse starts talking to you uh, and they say, are you listening? Maybe you were listening. You say, yes, and I'm sorry, and put the phone away. Could, could Could you do that? Okay, I'm not talking from personal experience or anything. I've done enough premarriage counseling to know that pretty much everybody has this problem. And it doesn't, it's not about age. You know, if it's not the phone, it's the newspaper or the TV, right? Saying, I am sorry, I repent, connects you to a person. You might actually be more connected to the person before the offense was made. Now, again, there are certainly things that you do and other people's do that saying, I am sorry, and I'm going to be different, I will choose a different way, doesn't mean that All the damage is repaired and everything is back to normal. But it's a step toward connection. It's a step toward compassion. It's a good thing happens when you repent. So let's enter into a season of greater faith where we pray bigger prayers and a season of repentance to each other and to God. Because we will, we can receive the benefits of repentance for when we sin, when we screw up, when we break relationships. Last thing, compassion comes first. Jesus heals people that do not respond The disciples perform miracles. They preach a message, probably better than I ever have, right? I shouldn't take the word probably out. Jesus and his disciples were better at delivering the message than I am or than you are, and yet they were rejected. But the compassion comes first. The move toward people comes first. And that's, that's just, that's a reflection of God's heart. 
in your interactions. Don't make people earn your compassion. If they don't believe the same things as you do, if there's like no hope that they're going to come to church and and that's kind of what you were expecting, compassion, healing, deliverance, freedom, that comes first. Now, the, the next choices that are made, am I going to repent? Am I going to stay connected? Am I going to make the choices that help me stay free or that help me stay well? Um, that's on them. You can't make those choices for them. Even Jesus and his disciples don't. Again, our default is, I did something nice for you. Now you should. Or this is true, so you should believe it. Nope. Jesus doesn't make that choice for anybody. And he tells his disciples, don't fall into the trap of trying to make their choice for them. Only they can make it. They will, some, many will receive my message. Many will repent. Many more will reject my message. Even though they see great miracles, they will not respond in faith. And so I invite you to stand. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.